Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams, and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well, plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Well, we've got lots to talk about, Jim. We're going to end up on something, aren't we? But, I mean, we've, we've some brief catching up to do, a fun weekend. Uh, um, you yeah. were at the Oval for four days straight. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of slightly, slightly overindulgent, really, um, but, 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 but a lot of fun. Um, for, for those in the world who, who don't understand cricket, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but um, <laughs> it's, it's been a lovely few days and it was, it was very good to see you yesterday. I'm sorry yeah. I missed the, um, the street cricket in the conference. Oh, God, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great, it was a, 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 an enjoyable um, uh, afternoon of drinking when the rain had started, basically. Well, and also, since we last spoke, um, obviously I've been to see your play, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I thank you very totally, much. I totally, totally loved it. We, we, uh, the Holland family all came out, didn't we? And, um, yeah, it was very nice. Uh, and and it, was, it was completely brilliant. I, I, I loved how it was in the best tradition of restoration comedies. Oh. It was kind of sort of raucous and uproarious, genuinely very, very laugh-out-loud funny. And the whole thing was just... A fantastic night out. I get a bit put off by theatre sometimes, mm. thing, but it, it gets a little bit too pretentious for me. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and what I loved about it was it was just a really, well, really good, fun night out. Well, ain't pretentious. That's one thing that the, the, the <laughs> no. plays. Um, I, 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 the other thing is, is um, so I we we were at the cricket with these friends of mine, Sally and Connor. And oh, yes. Sally, Sally always has these sort of Second World War tidbits that she sort of goes, "Oh yes," and I remember this, and you think, "Oh yes," it yeah, tells yeah, us yeah. something else truly amazing. So she said her grandfather, so her father's father, used to talk about how he was on a battleship. Now, that maybe it is a battleship he was talking about. Well, we don't know, right? Because this yeah. has come down Yeah, we by. were speculating yesterday it might be a heavy cruiser. Yeah, yeah. And, and the story he had was when they were attacked by Italian biplanes defending Malta. So early in the war. This will be Cape Matapan or, or, yeah, the or captain Calabria. Di- or the captain directed the main guns to fire at the biplanes. And the air turbulence from the, you know, I don't know, four and a half inch shell or whatever, or the nine inch shell or whatever, well, we, don't, we don't know, right? Well, it'd be a bit bigger is, than that, wouldn't it? Well, exactly. So this has come to us, you know, this is coming to us. 15 inch. Or 15 inch, inch shell. The air turbulence basically caused the biplanes to fall out of the sky. And the blokes <laughs> on the boat would all cheer. So another one just sort of fell out of the sky because the air was so dramatically disrupted by these big shells going by. And the thing is, is, I don't, I, uh, who knows? Just, I just don't. I just don't know. I've um, never. Um, I've never read it. I've never heard it. No, but I like it. And then the other. Yeah. The other. The other story was of a U-boat appear, popping up out of the water ne- next to them, just appearing, and then nothing happening. No one signalling from it. It not firing on it. You know, just just appeared, and they and they sent they sent some guys over, and a long argument about who would be first down into the U-boat. They sent some guys over and opened it up, and it was empty. And that Marie Celeste. If that's what. If that's what is told everyone then that's what happened i mean uh or or i mean it, it's just the, it's just the most extraordinary story and that must be somewhere out there as an incident 
you know, and if it's in the med and it's anyway. So those, those were Sally's two fantastic uh, tidbits of stuff that we're, I don't know how we, how we, we I'm sure well, it must be possible it. to find out abandoned, you know, captured u-boats yeah. in the mediterranean mustn't it yeah. i mean that i think that's going to be easier to prove than that. <laughs> the, the other one yeah <laughs> than the cr42 biplanes kind of being sucked out of the sky <laughs> it's a brilliant idea though isn't it i love it yeah i love it it's really amazing. funny <laughs> <laughs> and the whole idea of firing a 14 or 16 yeah, yeah, exactly. shell at, the, yeah. uh, at a plane whooshing past a plane well it would wouldn't it <laughs> yeah you know Yep. It absolutely would. Anyway, the anniversaries of 1943 are, are coming thick and fast, aren't they? And we, we and and we're we're coming up to the well, it's it's the last abortive raid of Operation Gomorrah. Yes. On the second night of the second third of August 1943. Accumulation of ten days uh, of, of you know, frankly, truly shocking um, well, air attacks on 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 Hamburg. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, we all I mean, know that the levels of destruction, but it, but it's it's almost the worst one of all. You know, everyone goes on and on about Dresden, which is you know understandable, but but compared to Hamburg, this is the kind of defeat for the Germans. And at the time, Speer says it. You know, if they do, if they can do this to us at will, we're in we're in real trouble here. The Allies can't. It's a, it's a culmination of all sorts of things. It's, it's, so it's a, it's a such an interesting event in that regard. Is that mm. you can't do it again. It is a lot. To, it's as much to do with the weather and the, how much rain there's been, and the fact that uh, Hamburg is full of uh, coke uh, uh, stores and coal stores and all that sort of stuff because it's a trading yep. city, which which keep the fires yep. going until the firestorm proper. All that, st- all these other factors that that add up. But it's nevertheless, you know, if if, if Britain had suffered an air raid of this magnitude. What would a British government have been able to do? Well, How would it have been able to hang on? You, you, you wonder, don't you? I mean, this, this is this is supposed to be a war stopper, and, and and you know, frankly, by most normal standards of of warfare, this would well, this was completely unprecedented, of course, at the time. Yeah, yeah. But but the point is, if 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 any any opposing nation had received what. Hamburg received in July 1943. Any other regime, I think, would have, apart from perhaps the Soviet Union, would have, would have yeah. seriously questioned whether they could continue the war. Uh, the Italian government would have folded if this had been done to Milan just, or something. Just like that. Just like that. Gone. All right, we're out. These questions raise interesting the, 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 the questions. Because after all, it, you know, it's a steel, not flesh conception. You bomb a city so that you, you, know, you don't, don't have to engage the man on the battlefield. You engage yep. the man making his rifle. And you're doing that because you value your life more than your men's lives, more than the enemy values. Well, that, that, that is the job of, of the war makers of your own country, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Is to, is to preserve, to, is to win yep. with, with as little loss of life as possible. Whereas um, the Germans if that, are, means, if that means killing lots of Germans, then, you know, well, the, you know, but, it, that, that's the price that has to be paid. But when you're facing an opponent who regards military sacrifice and death as part and yeah. parcel of the whole thing yeah then, then yeah yeah yeah. but 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 i mean gomorrah operation gomorrah which yes. is the bombing of the far bombing of hamburg has always been seen as yes it was it was you know a lot of bombers went over and stuff but but it was sort of a bit of a you know the reason it went like it did was because of the weather and yep. you know they just got lucky and the wind was in the right way and all this sort of stuff and and I think you know the the, the latest research on all this would 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 dispute that yeah I mean say yes absolutely the weather was perfect and and yes the wind was going in the right way but this was utterly deliberate and the point is 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 the aim of it 
was to kill as oh. many people oh, as yeah. possible. They, it wasn't it wasn't to necessarily to destroy the industrial heartland. It was to destroy to kill as many Germans yeah. as they possibly could. That yeah. was the aim, and I think. And what what becomes clear as you kind of as, as one delves into this is that that has been the aim since 1941. You yeah. know when 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 well October 1940 when Churchill goes okay yeah you can do indiscriminate bombing yeah because anything else isn't going to work our armies have just been defeated on the continent France has surrendered you know we put a huge amount of stock investment in bombing and and air power and. Yeah. If that's what we have to do, that's what we have to well, do. That decision is made. It's a peculiar it's a peculiar sort of paradox, isn't it? Because it's an admission of weakness in that, that you can't precision bomb. So in in the admission of that weakness, we will leave in lean into our strength, which is that we can produce this equipment that can wipe out cities and the people in yes. them rather yep. than rather than you know, because after we when we talked about the dams raids uh, uh, only a couple of months ago, it was it, it, it that's all a question of precision. That's what makes it. That's what makes it stick out. But 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 there, there's also a lot of people in tweed suits and lab coats doing very very detailed and precise work. And one of one of the things that I mean, you yeah. know, I don't know why I'm ever surprised by this stuff. Of course, this is what they're going to do. But the, <laughs> the number of laboratories that there are around the UK doing scientific work to work out what weapons work best and how and yeah. what new weapons might work even better is. It's it's the kind of forgotten bit of you know there's there's books on Churchill's boffins aren't there and yeah. you know Charles Milton did his book on on you know Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare and all this yeah. kind of stuff but I think it's 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 not much known about you know people don't know really what's going on at Port and Down or or the telecommunications research laboratory in Malvern, for example. I mean, you yeah. ever knew. There's all this stuff going on, yeah. and, and particularly going on about having committed to the notion of strategic bombing, uh, and the, the bomber will get through, you know, the famous or infamous Baldwin line, yeah. Stanley Baldwin line of 1935. You know, they're bloody well going to do it, and and they're going to look into it, and they're going to try and be as scientific about this as possible, particularly yeah. once it's proving, once they've realised that actually pinpoint accuracy is light years away, you know, as far as they're concerned in 1939, 1940, and certainly by 1941. And the the big change needs to be in 1941, doesn't it? So so you've got this, you've got the research and experiments department, which is set up by Dr. Reginald Stradling um, in 1939. So in the, in the summer before the war begins, but all these, but, but he's starting to recruit other boffins, isn't he? And and, and people like, I mean, I've never quite understood why the zoologist, Professor Zolly Suckerman is, is involved, but, but he gets in and becomes this absolute data wizard, isn't he? I mean, He's he's like your sort of algorithms guest. Yes, he's a super super data guy, isn't he? And 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 th- there's this sort of core of people that Churchill uses then for, for the rest. Of, I mean, and that's interesting. That predates Churchill, actually. That I mean, that's what, that predates. That's Churchill. what that's what's interesting about that, isn't it? So Zuckerman's yeah. involvement predates Churchill's interest in, in in him and the way he thinks. Yeah. And then obviously you get Lindemann as well. That- well, Lind- Lindemann's really interesting because he's German born. He's an Oxford yeah. do- physicist, Oxford Don. Um, who's who's befriended Churchill, and Churchill brings him in as as a scientist to, when he's at the Admiralty. Yeah, and he's brought back into the Admiralty in 1939, and then Lindemann goes with him to Number Ten as his scientific yeah. advisor. You know, we we saw this in the pandemic, didn't we? When you have scientists and governments, governments saying, "Well, we're following the science," scientists saying, "Where well, we're simply offering the science here." Since Lindemann and Churchill are simpatico, so it, it, it's not like he's got an impartial science guy to say. 
the things he wants him, you know. No, the, he's got he's got an expert. He's going to say what he wants him to say. Yeah, exactly, that's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. So, yeah. so there is there is. I mean, is is Lindemann? It's a manipulating, figly, isn't it? Figly for respectability. That there's a scientific respectability. Yeah. To the fact that what you're going to do is try and kill as many Germans as you possibly can. Yes, there's all the bomber gets through stuff, but this is an extension of the blockade, isn't it? This is an extension. Yes. Of the First World War naval blockade, and I think I think it's always worth remembering that, that it was the navy who were m- more interested in aviation when when it first came along than anyone else first aircraft our carrier strike was on the on the zeppelin thing in in what is now northern denmark exactly was because german it's, then because it's a it's a way of extending your power and your force from beyond your shores isn't it air power yeah completely so so that's why the navy the navy was so tied up in it so the idea the you know and britain is a naval britain is a naval country with a naval military culture not a not an army one and so you can see why block bombing as a function of the blockade and also as a sort of uh, and also you know as an imperial way of doing thing we're doing imperial things on the cheap you know no boots on the ground you use air forces which is where harris has come from after all yeah um uh you can see why because after all the blockade starved germany out in first world war by killing yep. germans through starvation the, yep. the fact that they're going to drop bombs on them is 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 a logical extension of this this is all this is all part of the same yeah, train but, of but, thought. but 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 it, but it's fascinating isn't it how oh, how, yeah. how they come i mean the, the conclusion that what you're going to do actually is so so when they first start bombing that you know first raid is what in germany i think is the night of the 16th 17th of may 1940 if i if yeah. i remember rightly yeah it's around that date the aim is absolutely to hit hit specific war targets yeah. but by night in middle of 1941 you've got the you know you've got the butt report yeah. And already, even before the butt report comes out in June 1941, oh, they, know. they know they're not hitting. So, so it's like, okay, so, so where are we going with this? You know, we're we're suffering a lot. A bomber command is getting, you know, is getting very, very badly damaged. We we, we need to rethink everything. You know, we we we've, we're making huge progresses in terms of of radar and things like that, and, and navigation is on the way, but it's still not there yet. Yeah, better airframes as well better airframes all that kind of stuff but we still got a long way to go so what are we doing there okay well, what we need is ever more bombers and ever more bombs and we need to work out what how we can make our ordnance as effective as possible and this yeah. is this is where the research and experiments department comes in one of the guys that that reginald stradling brings in is this guy called jd bernal who is a mm-hmm. physicist and he sets up um re8 which is obviously research and experiments department number eight yeah which is a sort of subsect of research and experiments department yeah. and this is there specifically to supply the air ministry with calculations about the effects of german bombs on british cities yeah and, and yeah. the productive loss and the likely impact of then by turn of british bombing on german cities and 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 working alongside this working with re8 so they're all pooling resources and this is the other thing this is where they do things better than they do in germany where yeah. where obviously you know knowledge is power and you tend to kind of be a bit like the bloke in the classroom who's sort of shielding his his answers yeah you, you know they don't have any of that in, in in the uk and so you've got the air warfare an- analysis section which is yeah. specifically looking at the weight and type of bombs to, you know that they're planning to drop and also our old friends at the road research lab and you remember the road research yeah. lab was the one that was in the model of the dams for the dams yes. raid where barnes wallace was going and all the rest of it and then there's also the building research laboratory which is specifically looking at the nature of bomb damage 
And increasingly, as 1941 progresses and, and the work of RE8 progresses, how German buildings are built and constructed. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, they're all different, and it depends what type of town it is and different yeah. parts of towns. But obviously, the German states are, are ancient and medieval, and particularly places like Hamburg, you know, which yeah. is an ancient Hanseatic port in the Baltic and, yeah. and you know, has a lot of, lot of old buildings. Yeah. So I mean, the, other, the other thing REA are doing as well is looking at studies of British workers and British workers' reactions to yes. uh, the, the Baidica race. This is fascinating, instance, isn't it? To work out, uh, to, to try and therefore extrapolate how will German workers behave as a result of, of, being, of being bombed. And, they, and, and they, they, they sort of concede, you know, we can't quite know, but, but we reckon that they'll, they'll, you know, you'll lose hours, you'll lose uh, efficiency and all that sort of stuff. So as ever with all of this, you wonder, I always, I mean, I always wonder this. It's like, again, like, like Linderman is how much of this is, look, just, just admit it. You're, you're trying to kill them, right? The fact that you're reducing their possible working efficiency um, on the factory floor really is neither here nor there. You're trying to kill them. And if you smash up the factories as well, well, then then that's seen as that's the that's the byproduct. That's the thing, isn't it? Because suddenly the aim is not to destroy industrial targets with with people being killed as a byproduct. It's, it's aiming to kill around. lots of German people with destroying industrial plants as a byproduct. And what's it's the other about, way around? But what's notable about Gomorrah is during the Gomorrah raids, don't they? The Americans go um, uh, send bombers to to attack the Blomenvoss shipworks, don't they? Um, mm. uh, uh, um, you know. Even as the city is burning, the Americans send in a daylight force to to go and try and nobble yeah. nobble the shipworks because they're still there at this point, still saying no, we're attacking military targets. Thanks very much, and and they yes they are, but they're also doing an awful lot of work on incendiaries. I know, I know. At <laughs> the same time, they're playing catch up. Yeah, but 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 what's interesting is they don't they don't damage the shipworks, and the and the the thing that has the tremendous effect is the is. Is Bomber Command going, admit our weaknesses and play to our strengths? Is, is, yes. Is, as they but, see but, it. but it's also because the American, you know, 8th Air Force is sending over 96 bombers one day and then kind of 56 the next. And that's that that that's not enough. That's kind of sort of Luftwaffe London September 1940 levels. But 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 it, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Because, it, you know, what they're also doing, all these these boffins and scientists, is they're, they're, they're looking at the mixture of, of, of incendiaries and, and high explosives. And they're looking at London, Liverpool, Coventry, but but. Hull and Birmingham, and and how how fire catches, how how it how it spreads, different techniques, the, the impact of, of 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 wind and all the rest. Of it. And, and unsurprisingly, you know what they conclude. I mean, duh, is that congested working class districts are the are your prime target if if that if you're wanting to kill maximum amount of people. But but what but what you see in in the course of 1941. A sort of gradual shift in October 1940, when when Churchill sanctions our you know the Air Ministry to 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 do indiscriminate bombing. It's indiscriminate bombing, but it's still the aim is to kind of hit industrial targets and hope you know. And if you kill a few civilians, then so be it. But in the course of 1941, that shifts and it shifts to something much more sinister. And so you've got these, you know, these various, I, I mean, looking at these missives from the Air Ministry. So June 1941, it says, the output of the German heavy industry depends almost exclusively on the workers. Continuous and relentless bombing of these workers and their utility services over a period of time will inevitably lower their morale, kill a number of them, and thus appreciably reduce their industrial output. 
a moment later, no, a, a month earlier, than this is from the Ministry of Economic Warfare, who are obviously working hand in glove with the, the Air Ministry, British experience leads us to believe that loss of output through absenteeism and other dislocation consequent upon the destruction of workers' dwellings and shopping centres is likely to be as great as, if not greater, than the production loss which we can expect to inflict by heavy damage. Now, you see, Jim, to what extent is this rationalization because because after all bombing now it tends to be cruise missiles aimed at communication centers you don't yep. do this right no you absolutely don't do this because because of, because of course you don't absolutely don't do this it's beyond this is a thing that's beyond, beyond the, pale. the pale and you do you what you do is the thing that they were trying to do in 1940 where you're trying to nip off specific military targets bridges factories communication yep. centers or whatever is that i mean is this stuff because this stuff still has the sort of it got the measured language of bureaucracy and rationalization about it you know i think even in that one the air ministry one that yep. the, the lower their morale kill a number of them lower morale comes first you can see them all feeling a bit squeamish can't you as they're kind of writing this and trying not to confront the awful reality of what 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 this implies but then by October yeah. or, or November 1941, yeah. it, all pretense of this has gone. Yes. And it's almost because, you know, we, we talk a lot, don't we, about, about SS troops and German troops on the Eastern Front becoming brutalised and all the rest and of it. And acceleration and all that, yeah. But but it's kind of, in a weird way, it's kind of, well, not even a weird way, in a kind of sort of slightly disturbing way, that's also happening within the air ministry because once you once you've crossed that rubicon and you're going okay actually what we're going to do is we're going to try and we're going to try and reduce mar- um, morale and, and increase absenteeism from the factory place once you once you sort of actually get over that euphemism and go no mate actually what we're trying to do is just kill lots of germans th- then you've crossed it and everyone sort of can breathe a sigh of relief because you've accepted that this is what you're going to do and so you have Air Marshal Sir Richard Pierce, who's the Commander in Chief of Bomber Command. And I remember, I remember reading this quote years ago, and, and being absolutely just, just really shocked. So he is addressing an audience of the Thirty Club, which is a sort of Chatham House rules kind of, you know, like-minded people. But but you, you know, you're preaching to converted. But this is a sort of informal chat to kind of high net worths of London in in late November 1941. He admits that Bomber Command is is actually going directly for the German people themselves rather than industrial targets. And he says, I mention this because for a long time, the government, for excellent reasons, has preferred the world to think that we still held some scruples and attacked only what the humanitarians are pleased to call military targets. I can assure you, gentlemen, that we tolerate no scruples. Alan Allport did a thread about... um Gamora last week. And then Adam Tews then wrote, wrote a little essay about it and about this, you know, the, the, the part of this story with Bomber Command is this, 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 we have no, we tolerate no scruples that we're killing Germans and everything, you know, r- rather runs into the, 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 some of the British self-image about the Second World War that, you know, we pluckily hung on in there and did what we had to do. And it was all, the, you know, rather than, well, what we're, we're ruthless bastards uh, do, do whatever it takes. Yeah, tie five percent of our war effort, manufactured war effort, will be dedicated wholly to one thing, which is killing German civilians. You know, I always think, I always find de-housing to be the sort of it's, it's Euphemism. the euphemisms. My, you know, favorite is the wrong word, but the one I find sort of like, oh my goodness me, like, well, yes, yes, yes you're de-housing them um, by trying to put them in the ground. I mean, it's it's extraordinary, but but. 
when you think, I mean, you, you know, you can see how all the, you can see the, this, the deep decisions, the long, you know, the long-term decisions in terms of um, aircraft specifications from before the war, they've always been headed in this direction. Yeah. But, they yeah. always have, and if you and again, if you if you see it in the context of the of the fourteen eighteen blockade, where you're if you're starving people indiscriminately, what di- what's the difference? You yes. know, well, this is going to have more political effect because the idea is, you know, Duet talks about if you blow if you that what you do is you create conditions so appalling for the civilian population they rise up against the government. This is Julio Duet, the the yeah. the, the Italian, the Paul, well, yeah, the, yeah, the aviation theorist, interwarrior aviation theorist, who very much put this idea that bombing was going to be how you did things, um, and that what you what you're doing is exercising pressure on the population to overthrow its government, your enemy's population to overthrow its government by bombing it, by killing them. Uh, to the, so they reach the point where they go, we we aren't going to stand for this anymore, and they demand. They demand a peace. And you can see that, that, that that's influenced by Germany collapsing into revolution at the end of the First World War because people couldn't stand the war anymore. Do, do it's looking for a way to accelerate that effect. So, of course, everyone in, in the British establishment is because you've got the te- you have the industrial and technical advantage that, that you can build an air force like this. You have the you have the ed, you have the educational facilities and the training facilities that can produce the scientists. And, you know, you've got India. After all, the British industrial complex ICI all those all the vicars these great big companies that have been geared to making this kind of stuff anyway you're, you're just playing to your strengths aren't you and it's an extension of the blockade it's just the idea is it's going to be quicker it won't take four years you do one great big Hamburg and then then the Germans will throw in the towel which of course as we know doesn't happen we'll take a break we'll see you in a tick Welcome back to We Have Ways to Make You Talk, where uh, James and I have just made an executive decision that this isn't a single podcast and <laughs> forced into running over. Well, I think it's. I think all this is quite. I think this is quite big, deep, important stuff. And I, and I tell you what, I've just been thinking uh, thinking about is, is that you know, think about Stanley Baldwin. The bomb will always get through. Think about those 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 hundreds of thousands of coffins that are being built in the summer of 1939 yeah. and 1938 and all yeah. that kind of stuff. There is an expectation of, of Gomorrah levels of destruction, well, and the, right? And the panic, the panic on the day it was yeah. declared, air raid yeah, sirens yeah, in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But my point is, is that psychologically, Britain's war leaders, politicians and and military commanders have already made that leap that, that, that oh, yeah. aerial warfare is going to cause massive destruction that doesn't happen at the beginning of the war no it doesn't happen it doesn't happen during the blitz you know it, it's it's 42,000 in total over the course of the whole war are killed by 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 air, air assault of various types that's not the level that was predicted in the late no. 1930s no and then 1940 Britain, you know, the RAF Bomber Command is going, okay, well, let's let's not go down that route. Let's go down the route of hitting military targets. But yep. then it becomes incredibly clear by the late summer of 1940 that that is not going to cut it. Hence the Churchill decision, you know, pressure yep. from, from the air ministry, you know, this isn't going to work doing this, you know, so we're going to have yep. to do indiscriminate bombing. Okay, well, that's what we have to do. But my point is they've already psychologically in their head prepared themselves yep. for that level of destruction. So from there on inwards... It's it's about how do you how do you achieve that maximum destruction? How do you yeah. achieve that maximum loss of life? So what yeah. the boffins are doing right up to the end of July 1943 and the launch of Operation Gomorrah 
is actually scientifically trying to work out how you create the maximum amount of loss yeah. of life. Yeah, you're trying, to, deli- trying to deliver on this idea. And after on all, the ideas know, that, were, that, that were absolutely prevalent okay, in yeah. the late 1930s. Yeah, yeah. So, so that the bomber will always get through. You will cause you know vast amounts of civilian death. That hasn't gone away. What what has what has changed is what we thought was going to be enough to achieve that levels of of, yeah. of horror. We don't have that yet, so we now need to work out how we can achieve yeah. that, and that is a combination. You know, that's where the whole kind of thinking about what's the combination of bombs, what's the kind of weight of kind of oil based incendiaries to magnesium based incendiaries, blah 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 blah, all that kind of stuff. The weight of high explosives, what you're trying to do with your high explosives, how many bombers you need. How you get there, and the very high end of this is is what Oppenheimer's doing, the Manhattan Project. Right, is, exactly that. All he's trying, to, all they're trying to do, because the idea, because the the, the duet prison principle is that you'll bring a quick end to a war by using um, destruction like this, and that's how you morally justify it to yourself. And that's how you're morally justifying it because you're getting things over with quickly. And the and the thing is, is and you're saving that, your own your own nation's saving your life. own own people's lives. And you know, and, and the argument runs with with the deployment of the atomic bombs, isn't it? That millions of Japanese are saved by the fact that the war doesn't then go uh, at home islands, which and is indisputably true. The fact that after Hamburg. Is destroyed, and you know, ne- and you nearly as many people, and we don't, of course, we don't know how many people die in the Hamburg raids. Slave labourers in in the city, we d- we just don't know, do we? Yeah, really. But it's kind it's of it's reckoned it's, rec- it's reckoned to be conservatively kind of thirty eight thousand, thirty seven, thirty eight, maybe forty, but yeah. kind of the same number of people as die in the Blitz, British Blitz, full stop. In total, in total, yes, in one yeah, series exactly. of raids. And uh, I mean, I I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you could argue that after after Hamburg, do, I mean, I don't know. Does this happen to the British? Telegram the German government. You want some more of that? Do you? You see what we can do, or is it just? This, you know what no, I mean? Because I if it's, they're not, they're not doing that. Are they? No, they're, because they're, if it's a marker of of if if it is the culmination of this idea that you're using bombing to create a political decision, it's still being left to the Nazis to make that political decision, isn't it? it, it yes. It's, I mean, it's just just so interesting how this goes from a theoretical idea about what you can do with technology into yeah. the into the actual reality within within well, you know 15 years of duet punting his ideas about but well, well i think it's really interesting work going backwards and looking yeah. at the build up to the decision to bomb yeah. hamburg i mean if you're going because, you, because if you're going to bomb anywhere in germany hamburg is is a place that's going to get it isn't it um uh, yeah, it's because, the second largest city in germany yeah. and it's also the kind of you know one of the oldest of course and, and you know it's ancient port you know it's full of medieval packs cramped streets yeah you know it's, it's classic you know it's got a huge working class population because of its industrial base and because of the port and because of the shipbuilding and all the rest of it mm. i mean bismarck is built in hamburg isn't it yeah you know yep. many u-boats built in hamburg you know it, it is this number one port above any other in germany so you know but but but, but in 19 november 1941 so that same month that pierce is addressing the um that 30 club and saying that we haven't got any scruples at all and we are absolutely targeting people. There's a study of targets in northern Germany and they conclude that Hamburg is the best city for a large-scale incendiary attack. Um, and they also conclude that congested city and housing areas north of the Elbe should be the focus. So again, e- even in November 1941, they're, they're, they're kind of working out that this is the the, the, pl- the way to kill the most Germans in Hamburg is to hit the working-class areas. Yeah. I mean, it's always a working class at Chaton, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and in February 1942, a memo choosing a German city to burn down put Hamburg at the top of the list, with its vulnerability considered 
outstanding. I mean, just yeah. even the words they're using is yeah. just... Yeah. Well, it's it makes fated. you feel... It's a fated, little uncomfortable, it? to put it mildly. And, 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 and what's really interesting, on the basis of that, Harris, who's obviously taken over as commander-in-chief of, of... Pierce is actually sacked at the end of 1942. There's another guy who's in for 45 days. I can't remember what his name is. He's literally acting commander-in-chief for 45 days. Then Harris comes in in February 1942, takes over as, as commander of Bomber Command. And, and he, you know, he knows that this morale needs to be... You know, this, this yeah. public perception of Bomber Command needs to be improved, which is the whole genesis of the Thousand Bomber Raids, this idea yeah. that you just cobble everything together and you, you send over... And it's also a blueprint for what you need to do in the future, that you yeah, absolutely need to regularly be doing, you know, yeah. certainly 750 bombers, if not a 1,000. Well, and that and the quantity has its, the, the quality of its own, like a, 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 which, after all, is one of the reasons Hamburg Firestorm comes about, is the, is the, is the sheer quantity of uh, ordnance dropped on the city. Absolutely. But he is he's thinking, well, on the basis of all this stuff about, you know, what's the best, most likely city to be destroyed by a combination of incendiaries and high explosives being Hamburg, Hamburg is his number one target for the first thousand bomber raid, but he it, but but the weather permits um works against yeah. him. It's it's not. It's Cologne is chosen instead. Yeah. Another very ancient city full of densely packed medieval housing and gets absolutely pummeled. Gets completely smashed up. Yeah. Um. But 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 it's it's that J D Bernal's department R E eight that have been carrying out the most amount of research on how fire spreads and the combination of incendiaries and wind speeds and how a strong blaze might be turned into a into a into a, a into a conflagration and again it's just a sort of language a sort of dead language of this it's the sort of banality i mean you know it t- t- takes you back to kind of sort of you know what the germans are doing isn't it you know all those sort of ghastly meetings they hold where they're just sort of talking pe- about things in sort of very matter of fact kind of a you know unemotional ways so there's a there's a note for advisors um, yeah. uh, which is done for a meet- conflagration has yeah. been become established. The firestorm which it induces is sufficient to induce its further spread. I mean, the, the, a lot of this. I mean, I think what's again, we 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 really have to remember that this is also uh, uh, all new knowledge. It's science fiction. They're 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 pushing right the ed- edges of what they know and what they know might work and how it might work and all that sort of thing. You know, the atomic bomb aside, this is this is. Should is this what science is for? Is that question? You know, like like before before you go anywhere near the atom bomb, you've got people figuring out how to induce a firestorm in order to kill lots of civilians because because you know kind of that's the only language they understand. It's the sort of tone Subtext. behind it, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're now you know so Bernal is now getting trials to be conducted at Port and Down, you know, just outside Salisbury. You know all about that place, and um, you know there they're doing further trials on. Buildings, building materials, what will what will burn best, how you burn it best, all this kind of stuff. It's absolutely amazing. And then and then they're starting to do serious work on German building construction um, from 1942 onwards. So in um, so RE eight issues a paper German domestic architecture in early 1943, and they're even carrying out tests on models of buildings with different types of roofing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And then they kind of think, well, well, what kind of beams are they using? What's the thickness of the beams? And and no one knows. Um, they they do publications in Germany, which they they manage to get hold of about about residences and houses of the middle classes and how that they construct stairwells and staircases. And then there's a, you know these arguments happen over the thickness of wooden beams and the penetrative power of the standard four pound incendiary. And 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 these these questions 
are only resolved by recruiting emigre German architects. And one of them, amazingly, is the Bauhaus founder, Walter Gropius. Yes, I mean, Gropius just is absolutely, involved, absolutely amazing. Amazing. I, mean, I had no idea. But I mean, it, not, the Nazis had made an enemy of anybody, then it's, it's the world's leading modernist architect. You know, well, they, there is that. Yes, the, you, you know what I mean. If the, if anyone's going to line up to di- to yes. di- diss the, the the details, you will be doing me a favour, getting rid of all this old stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the, the well, new way well, is the yeah, only way. That as well. But he was, they they thought he was degenerate and all that sort of thing too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's you know it, it, it's it's sort of working in every direction for Gropius. It's absolutely amazing that he's involved. yeah. Um, but but it's also how they how they they develop their understanding of of what you what you need from your incendiaries and the combination of incendiaries and high explosive and so high explosive is there to kind of blast out windows, deliver craters to the roads, obstruct the civil defences, um, and obviously cause material damage. But 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 the incendiaries are what you're going to use to cause a conflagration. Well, and obviously, and you, don't, you wouldn't use that on a kind of, sort of modern stone city, but on a on a on an ancient Hanseatic port, incendiaries are absolutely the way forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, so it's changing. You know, and you've got this sort of you know to start off over the beginning of the war, they reckon that you know hundred thousand to two hundred thousand four pound incendiaries enough to kind of swamp any civil defence force. But 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 that is changing. And so by late 1942, a combination of research and, of course, practical experience leads to a much better understanding of, of, of how these incendiaries work best. Yeah. And there's this, yeah. Yeah, there's this memo, bomber operations, the, the Department of Operation, Bomber Operations at the Air Ministry, 2nd of October. Um, yeah. It, you know, it is... The point of incendiaries is the complete destruction by fire of a built-up air of a city. Yeah. And this particular memo, gathering all the science that's been done in all these various road research labs and Porton and everywhere else and RE8, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. concludes that 25,000 incendiaries needed per square mile of four-pound <laughs> magnesium incendiaries, as well as high explosives. Yeah. And to cause a conflagration, the most densely packed residential areas had to be hit. And so what you're doing is you're igniting the terraces of box-like buildings dating from the Middle Ages. In in terms of Hamburg, this is likely to yield good dividend. And the Americans and the Americans are they're into this too. Uh, they're, they're, okay. building Jap- they're building Japanese buildings um, yep. as well, aren't they? Um, yep. in, in the US in themselves. And stuff. In Utah yep. and stuff. And practicing on those and, and trying to figure out Trying to figure out what they need, and they, you know, the high wind is as important as a, a, a as is the best weapon for spreading a fire as as much as anything else. So you you deliver the you deliver the ordnance, and then you you leave the weather to do the rest. As we see with with it, I mean, it, the the Americans are basically sort of nine months behind bomber command, aren't they? In in terms of what they're going to do, roughly, aren't they? Yeah. It's a and it's it's Sorry a question like that, of yeah. again, and it's a question of mass, and it's a question of uh, uh, technique and all that sort of thing, rather than intention, because there's that great meeting where um uh in Mar- in march 42 where the americans say well, what's actually the purpose of bomber command is it killing people or disrupting economic activity and buffett sort of says well you know uh bit of both really oh boy this is your progression isn't it is that is that yep. this is all it's not as contingent as it appears is it this is the truth because the the but the but report there at some point you're going to have to write a but report aren't you yeah and 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 at some point bomber command was going to have to assess what it could and couldn't do yeah and you you wouldn't be 
given the Buck report or not, you wouldn't be able to carry on the way they had been because, you know, yeah. the morale was falling on itself. It's costing an awful lot of money. So remember when we talked to David Edgerton a really long time ago, he sort of, he argued kind of that too much had been spent on the bomber offensive. Probably wasn't the most effective use of British economic muscle. Though we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have that out, but you can. No, you we can, didn't. Because I, can't, but, but you know, what would be the alternative, I suppose? Well, well it's, I it's a bigger army. It's a bigger army with more tanks, isn't it? The big armies that Britain, the UK does field with tanks. Um, have a it, you know you have a tendency to be losing a lot of people chew through people. Um, well, so uh, well, 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 what, what I was going to say is that is the other thing that struck me is 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 you know while this time they're also trying to think of kind of you know ever nastier and more 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 lethal ordnance. And one of the things that that gets um, created by by late nineteen forty two, which is is a is a small delayed action anti personnel high explosive bomb, and the trigger f- with, with, a, with a very very genius trigger fuse. Which is 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 created by pressure, and that pressure can be water. So, so you you know your your civil defence people, your firemen are, are are spraying something, and then suddenly, boom! And, and this is this anti anti personnel means obviously that this is to try and kill people. I mean, that that is exactly what you're trying to do. And so, what you're doing is, as the civil defence forces are trying to deal with the conflagration or the fire or the incendiaries or whatever, all these anti-personnel mines are then exploding in their faces and killing them and making them less able to deal with the conflagration and the and the and the problem. Yeah. Problem the city authorities run into as the raids run is you don't they don't know it's a ten day series of raids. And and so they'll be putting out a series of fires one end of town, and then the RAF turn up bomb up the bomb the other end right. of town. Right, and also use up your water supplies and your hoses supply. and all the rest. Of it. You can do. So, but 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 the point I was going to make was, yeah. you know, the disgust of the Allies as they progress up through Italy with all the anti personnel devices that the Germans have yeah. laid is extreme. Yeah, you know, I remember John Lucas sort of going, you know, sort of, you know, the appalling Hun, the Krauts laying the, you know, these disgusting things, you know, killing children and all the rest of it. But that's you know, not a huge amount of difference here, is there really? Yeah, no. Uh, and and they're also, you know, by 1943, there's also the introduction of oil-based incendiaries, which are are using white phosphorus and a combination of benzol gel as well i mean you know these things are you know the whole point is what they discover is that oil-based incendiaries rather than magnesium-based incendiaries are are better at escalating fire quickly so this is this is really kind of sinister uh, lethal stuff well and also but also the the entirely logical conclusion of steel not flesh you know which we we've talked about and it's interesting because we've talked about in terms of armies we've talked about that as like that's the plainly the right thing to do it's the more if from your own point of view it's the more humane thing to do it's the it's the bringing your advantages to bear in the on the industrial side but also you're doing what you can to spare your own casualties that's that's the biggest point it's impossible to argue with as a as a as a policy really i think uh uh, which army would you rather be in the one that practices steel not flesh or the one that does human wave attacks you know like uh, you know, you know, you know what I mean. But yet here we are at the logical uh, end of steel, not flesh, of this sort of. Uh, Adam Tooze called it liberal militarism, or rather, he said he, he quotes um, David Edgerton calling it that. What we're talking about, the, the, the logical extension of steel, not flesh, is anti-personnel um, incendiaries that blow up when a fireman jets water on them, and and you're like, well, hold on a minute, because <laughs> we've been extolling the virtues of steel, not flesh. For three or four, three more than three years on this podcast, and yet here, here you are in its lo- in its logical uh, uh, fruit. You know, yeah, yeah. 
tricky. Yeah, but well, it, but it also confirms what 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 I you know which, which I, I I concluded many many years ago was that the, the whole sort of Captain Mannering kind of you know yeah, yeah. Um, um sort of hapless amateurs sort of backs against the wall kind of very well alone kind of. British image, this idea of sort of making up as it go along and all the rest of it is is, is nonsense. That, that that Britain was was utterly ruthless in its yeah. in its how it in, how it kind of protracted the war and yeah. and yeah. the idea that we're you know soft and just sort of hanging on the church tells the Americans and stuff is just is just balls. I mean, it's, it's absolute nonsense. It's it's completely ruthless. Um, very scientific. Um, trying to be as logical as possible. Uh, and as you're saying, you know, this is this is you don't get more logical than this. Well, also, this isn't a country where science is regarded as, um, you know, because one of the part of the British self-image, which exists even now in a world of STEM, is that we, we science is a bit, you know, science isn't a thing that the British take seriously culturally. People would argue with that, wouldn't they? But here it is being taken incredibly seriously, and being and being given its head, you know, being given its full run. All right. Figure it out. We'll work it out. That's what we'll do. We'll build. We'll build an. Ex- you know, because the air- aircraft are incredibly expensive. You know, we'll build incredibly expensive aircraft. We'll train men at vast expense, and and we'll apply the science as best we can at, in in the spot. I mean, it's almost as if. I mean, you talk about Hamburg. You know, uh, b- being singled out in November 1941. It's almost as if Bomber Command's effort is heading towards Gomorrah as an operation, full stop, that the Bomber Command's function is to destroy Hamburg. And and so so to say it, it's, a, you know, and I, I said this at the start, is that there's a combination of factors that make the firestorm occur. The, the combination of factors is the, is the all the incendiaries that have been carefully worked on. Yeah. The buildings yeah, yeah, that have yeah, been absolutely. investigated. Walter Gropius being involved far more than the weather you know uh, that yeah. and the wind that weekend. Although they, the weather and the wind are part of the consideration because that's what they've they've been thinking yeah. about that exact thing. That yeah. none of this is an accident. None of this is contingent. None of this is happenstance. This is what's going to happen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, don't forget um, uh, the eighth to the tenth of September we have Ways Fest, um, where there will be um, more more Gamora talk. Actually, we're, we're, there's much more to talk about. We will we will. Uh, see you soon with more Gamora. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Cheerio.